This is the Grind It Podcast. We know just like grinding a handrail or across the coping can be challenging at times, so can life be. We share God's Word and personal stories to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to start Romans chapter 7. And in the last chapter, Romans chapter 6, Paul literally flipped the coin over on sin and he was showing the church in Rome that sin is very powerful but hey God is more powerful he's saying that that, that, yes sin is powerful but we don't have to let sin control our lives anymore because hey we've been set free from the bondage of sin by the power of Christ he says we have a choice as believers we have a choice we can either live in sin and the bondage of sin And if we continue to live in sin, there's going to be a price to pay. And that sin is separation. The wages of sin is death, he says in Romans 6, 23. But he flips the coin and says, hey, but the gift of God is eternal life in his son, Jesus Christ. So we we have a choice to make. We can either live in bondage of sin and, and, and miss heaven, or we can live in the freedom that Christ has given us through his grace and his mercy. The, just think about the sacrifice that Jesus has made on the cross on our behalf. He, he has set us free from the power of sin because of what he did on Calvary's cross. The blood that he shed there on the cross, it washes away our sin. And it, in the blood of Jesus, it sets us free from literally the clutches of sin. We don't have to live in it any longer. Paul says that we got a choice, man. We, 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 we can choose freedom and choose righteous living, we don't have to choose to live in sin and be in bondage to sin any longer. And he's going to stick with this theme here in Romans chapter 7 when he starts out like this. He says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, so he's reassuring them here that he sees them as Christ's followers. It's very important. And that they are a part of God's kingdom, despite how Paul came off strong, very strong, in the beginning of the letter. And so he says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, you who are familiar with the law, again, singling out the Jews here, don't you know that the law applies only while a person is living? For example, when a woman marries, the law binds her to her husband as long as she is or he is alive. But if he dies, the laws of marriage no longer apply to her. So while her husband is alive, she would be committing adultery if she married another man. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law and does not commit adultery when she remarries. Now, sometimes in the church, we Christians can become a lot like the Pharisees when it comes to Scripture. And we've talked a lot about the Pharisees when we studied the Gospels. We get so caught up and we get so bogged down with the little things and what we do is we, we try to hold them over people's heads if we're, you know, the police, if we're God's police, if you will, here on earth. And so Paul is going to use the example of marriage and how if the, if the woman's husband is dead, she's no longer bound to that man. He, he's passed away. He's gone. He's no longer in the picture. So she is free from what the law says about her and her uh, being married to that man. Now, it, it, it should be really simple to understand that, hey, the guy's dead. Her husband is gone. He's no longer around. He's died. 
Therefore, she is free to remarry. But I guarantee you this, this was not the case with these Jews who interpreted the law in many different ways. Because it, we, we, we still have difficulty with this stuff even today in the church. We take scripture and we hold it over people's heads and we misinterpret scripture. And we make it apply to things that it has no business being applied to. I guarantee you, I just know because I've been in church work for a long, long time. I can 100% guarantee you that there were some heated discussions about this subject. And that's why Paul's bringing it up. Case in point. I remember one of my classes when I was in Bible college at Freed Hardeman University back in West Tennessee. We were having this discussion about being an elder one day. And one of the scriptures about being qualified to be an elder is found in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and it says that the man must be the husband of one wife. And this verse, along with many others, has been talked about and discussed for a very, very long time. The question is, is and this is just an example of how people take Scripture to mean different things and they try to apply it in different ways when it shouldn't even be applied that way to begin with. But this, this particular scripture in 1 Timothy 1 about if you want to be an elder, you have to be the husband of one wife. Is Paul saying that the man shouldn't be like the pagans who had multiple wives and only have one wife? As a follower of Christ, you don't have multiple wives like the pagans do. You are to have one wife. Or... Is Paul saying that the man could only be married one time in his life and have that same wife that he started with? He could only have one wife and not be remarried to another wife. So that's two things, that the way people interpret that scripture. Or is Paul saying that the man can only be married one time in his life? Well, that's the one I just read. Is he saying that the man can only be married one time in his life and have that same wife that he started with? So, during our discussion in class, someone brings up the idea that it happened in their particular congregation where a man had the desire to be an elder, because that's the very first thing that Paul mentions, that you got, you first of all, you got to desire the office to be an elder, a bishop, a presbyter, or a pastor. It's all the same thing. It all means it's it's the the position, the same position in the church. And this man wanted to be, he had the desire. He wanted to be an elder. And he met all of the qualifications in 1 Timothy except one. And you guessed it. It's this one. The one where it says you must be the husband of one wife. Well, here's the problem. He was only married to one woman his entire life. They had children. His children are faithful to the Lord. He met all of the qualifications, but his wife had passed away. She had died. Therefore, this church would not let this man be an elder because he was no longer the husband to one wife. His wife had passed away. To me, in my opinion, this is absurd. This is absolutely ridiculous. It's it's a crazy way of thinking, just like these Jews were in, in the book of Romans. 
they're taking scripture and twisting it to make it mean something that it doesn't mean. Like we can go on sinning because God is glorified by our sin. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That's why Paul is saying, hey, you've died to sin. You've been set free from the bondage of sin. You are to, you have, you are, you are to live in freedom in Christ Jesus. And so here, here's a great example of how we, in the, even in the church today, but it was going on back then, how we take Scripture and twist it and make it mean something that it does not mean. And this is very similar to what, what's going on here in uh, Romans chapter 7. <clears throat> some people, some Jews in particular, who have been living under the law their whole life, they just had trouble letting they had trouble letting the law go, and they were in bondage of the way they're thinking, and that's what Paul said. You've been set free from the law. That's what he said in Romans six, but they they couldn't get they couldn't get out from underneath it because they've been living under the law for so long, and now they're following Jesus, and they're they're wanting to follow Jesus, but yet they're also trying to keep the law. And Paul is telling them. Jesus died to set you free. Let it go. That's why he says in verse 4, he says, So my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. You've been set free. You've been united with Jesus. And as a result of that, you can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. But you've got to live for Jesus. Let go of that law, man. Let go of that sin and live for Jesus. Make godly decisions. Make Christ-like decisions that are glorify Him. Paul has mentioned how death is a separation from God in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. And here he tells them that there's been a separation he said, you died to sin when you put your faith in Jesus and started living for him. You have died to that old man when you were buried in that watery grave. You've buried that old man and you've come up out of that water, a new creation in Christ. And since you've been separated from sin, you've been set free from the bondage of sin, you've now been united with Jesus. You are one with Jesus Christ. Not because of anything you've done, but because of everything that Jesus did on the cross and you have chosen to put Christ on in baptism, and you have chosen to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And now you are united with Jesus Christ, who was raised from the dead. He conquered death. And you and Jesus, you are a team. You are united together as one. He lives in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as a result, we can now produce a harvest of good deeds for God. Why? Because of what Jesus is doing in us and through us. If we choose to let him. If we choose not to live in sin, but choose to live for Jesus. He says in verse 5, When we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us, and the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds, resulting in death. And there it is, resulting in that separation again. These sinful deeds that always result in death. But now we have been released from the law. The law is what revealed what sin is. 
And we've been released from the law, for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God in the old way of obeying the letter of the law. Or, I'm sorry. Now we can serve God not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. That is the key. Living in Jesus. We're filled with the Holy Spirit when we've been baptized into Christ, in that watery grave. We come up out of that watery grave, a new creation in Christ, and we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus lives inside of us. The Father lives inside of us. We are no longer under the bondage of sin. We've been set free. And, and the, the way we continue to be set free is walking with Christ, walking in the light and living in the Spirit. What we feed grows. If we flee, flee. If we feed our flesh, the flesh grows. Our sinful desires grow. But if we feed the Spirit our spirit grows. That's why it's so important that we are in the Word, listening to this podcast, listening to other podcasts, listening to, to preachers, just being filled with the Word. But more, the best thing to do is being in the Word for ourselves, reading and studying the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Notice how Paul, he, he, just can, he keeps comparing sin to the law. Paul has made it very clear that the law, it, it, you know, it was holy because it came from God. And he's going to reiterate this point in the next several verses. But Paul says the law, it, it's, what made known, it's what made sin known. Without the law, we wouldn't know what sin was and, and what God expects from us. We can't keep the law. There's only one person who's ever kept the law. That's Jesus Christ. God knew that. That's why he put a plan in, in place before he ever gave the law to Moses and before Moses ever gave the law to the people. God had a plan in place in Christ Jesus to die for the sins of mankind. Without the law, we wouldn't even know what sin is and what God expects. God expects us to be holy like him. And this is what the law does. It tells us what God expects from us to be holy like Him. And like I said a while ago, the problem is we can't do it. We cannot keep the law because of the power that sin has on us, which is why Jesus had to die to set us free from the bondage of sin. We, we want to do what is right and live for God, but the problem is we're being, literally, we're being held captive, if you will. You know, it's like sin has a grip on us. It's got a grip on our shirt or our clothing. It's got th these chains wrapped around us. It's saying, I, I know you're trying to follow Jesus, but I'm not going to let you. You're going to give in to me, and, and, and I'm going to use what you like, your evil, sinful desires, to bring about sin. To bring about separation. And we got Jesus standing there saying, Nope, I died on the cross. You cannot hold them in the power of your grips. Sin, you got to let them go because they've been washed in my blood and I'm a whole lot more powerful than you are. You got to turn them loose and let them walk with me. And then we are given a choice that we can either walk with Jesus and be set free from the bondage of sin or we can choose to go right back into sin and be caught in its grips once again. And being separated from God. We want to do what is right. I hope we do. And live for God. 
But that sinful nature, that old man, every now and then he wants to rise back up and let us know that he's there. And Jesus says, nope, I've overcome the power of sin. You have been set free from the bondage of sin. And Paul says, now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in this new way of living in the Spirit. That's the key. Living in the Spirit. Paul says, well then, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. In fact, was the law? it was the law that showed me my sin. I would never have known that coveting, coveting is wrong if the law had not said you must not covet. But sin used this command to arouse all kinds of covetous desires within me. If there were no law, sin would, have not, would not have that power. At one time, I lived without understanding the law. But when I learned the command not to covet, for instance, the power of sin came to life and I died. So I discovered that the law's commands, which were supposed to bring life, brought spiritual death instead. Sin took advantage of those commands and deceived me. It used the commands to kill me. In other words, what the law that God gave to Moses, it, it was holy. Because God it came from the mouth of God. God penned it for the Jews. And this is how you are to live so that, that you can become holy like I'm holy. But the problem is, when God gave the law, it, it revealed what sin was. And Paul says, thanks to Adam and Eve and bringing sin into the world, our sinful nature, it takes over and all of these sins are aroused inside of us. And we want to jump headfirst into those sins. And he says sin took advantage of those commands that God gave. And the sin, not, not God's commands, but the sin deceived me. It used the commands that God gave to kill me. But still, the law itself is holy, he says. And it commands, and its commands are holy and right and good. Verse 13, but how can that be? Did the law which is good cause my death? Of course not, he says. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death. So we can see how terrible sin really is. It uses God's good commands for its own evil purposes. That's how sin works. We can see how terrible sin really is, Paul says. It uses God's good commands for its own evil purposes. I see it like this. When we were children, when we were young kids, we didn't know anything about sin. We didn't know anything about the power that sin had in our lives. We're just living life, getting hungry, getting thirsty, playing with friends, doing whatever. But at some point, and we call it the age of accountability, we started learning about right and wrong. We would do something, you know, fill in the blank with whatever, and someone would say, hey, don't do that. And we're like, why not? And they would say, because it's not right for you to do that. It's wrong for you to do so. Well, who said it was wrong? God did. God said it was wrong in his word, the Bible. And from that moment on, we begin learning what's right and what's wrong, what to do and what not to do. And we also learn how we can live for God. 
It's kind of like driving. You're racing down the street and you get you want to get somewhere really fast and you're in a hurry. And you're going beyond the speed limit. And a cop gets behind you and the next thing you know he turns on his blue lights and his siren comes on and you get your attention so you pull over and the cop says, you know why I pulled you over? Well, officer, no I don't. I was just going to the grocery store before it closed. I had to hurry up. My kid needs something to eat. Well, you were speeding. You're going way too fast. Well, says who? And the cop says, that speed limit sign back there that says 45 miles per hour. You blew by, you, you blew by that sign going 65 miles per hour. So here's your ticket for going 20 miles an hour over the speed limit. Slow down. Right? The law says you can drive up to this number. You can drive up to 45. You can drive 35. You can drive 20. You can drive 50. Whatever the number says on the sign. But there is a speed limit and the law says you have to drive this number whatever that speed limit is and if you go over that number you are breaking the law that was set a long time ago before you were ever driving and if it doesn't matter if you get caught by the cop or not if you're driving faster than the speed limit you're speeding you're breaking the law and then when you get caught you pay the consequences of that now is the law of driving 45 miles per hour or whatever the sign says, is that a bad thing? Absolutely not. You may feel like it is because to you, there's no reason to drive that slow. I've said that many a times. Why is it 45 through here? There's no reason. There's no, not even houses around. But the law says you've got to drive whatever that sign says. There's a reason for it. Um, I was just in a neighborhood, going through a neighborhood, just last week where there's deaf children they can't hear the cars coming and there's a sign that says 15 miles per hour in this neighborhood because deaf children at play so therefore you're to drive 15 guess what if you drive faster than that you're going to get a ticket people in the neighborhood are going to get the cops to come and watch because of the people driving too fast well why do i have to drive 15 because there's deaf children there what would happen if you're going too fast and one of those deaf children doesn't know you're coming because they, they can't hear your car, they can't hear your motor, your engine, and they run out in front of you. Next thing you know, you ran over one of the kids. It's ter- It would be terrible. That family would be devastated. In other words, there's a law put in place for a reason. And matter of fact, there's a lot of reasons why there are laws, especially on the streets. And it's the same thing with God's law in the Old Testament. God put laws in the lives of the Jews and even as well as ours for their good. For example, the dietary laws with the clean and unclean food, it it was for their laws. I mean, it was for their health. Those laws are actually a healthy way to eat. Even today, people follow those, those laws that God gave because those unclean foods are not good for our bodies. Paul says the law itself is holy and its commands are holy and right and good. The law is not the problem. The problem is sin. The law revealed sin and sin took over, Paul said. When I learned what sin was, sin took advantage of God's law and it just took a hold and all, Paul says, all these sinful desires started flooding me. 
And Paul says, I got a choice to make. I, I got to either give in to these sinful desires or, and, and it's going to cause separation from God or I can choose to live in the freedom that Jesus Christ has provided for me through the power of His blood and through the filling of His Spirit and He dwelling inside of me. I no longer have to be controlled by the power of sin. It's my choice. It's your choice. What choice are you going to make? Are you going to continue? Then that's what he's telling these Jews in, in Romans 7, in verses in chapters 1 through 7. He says, are you going to continue to live in sin, thinking that God's being glorified by your sin? Because he's not. That's a, a, the wrong way of thinking. God's glorified by your righteous living in Christ Jesus. People can see God working through you when you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your lives, when you allow Jesus Christ to set you free from the sin that has kept you in bondage for so long, when you live in that freedom for Christ, people see that and they want that freedom. And he says, we ought to be sharing that freedom that we have in Christ. So what choice are you making today? Are you living in Christ or are you living for yourself? Are you choosing to live for Jesus? Or are you choosing to please your flesh? Are you choosing to, uh, to fill the Spirit or to fill your fleshly desires? Because whatever you feed, that's what grows. And I hope and pray that you and me both are feeding our spirit. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We've got to be immersed on a daily basis in the Word of God. And that's why I'm doing this podcast. I don't make a dime from it. Matter of fact, it cost me to do this thing. It cost me a lot of time to put all this stuff together with these notes uh, um, because it's my own. I break it down for myself. I do the studying for myself. And I don't use commentaries. I just pray about what to talk about. The Holy Spirit gives me and I share it. That's all I do. But I don't make a penny off of this. It costs me money and it costs me a lot of time. But I just want to say thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, sharing the Grinded Podcast. When you share the Grinded Podcast, you're sharing Jesus. And you're giving people the opportunity to die to themselves, to die to the flesh, to die to sin, and being set free from the bondage of sin by the blood of Jesus Christ. If you need to make that decision today, I hope and pray that you'll contact me at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can text me at the number in the outro. If you need prayer for anything, we're here to pray for you. We would love to pray for you. You can contact us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com or you too can text us at the number provided during the outro. We'll pick up with part two of Romans chapter seven in the next podcast. God bless you. Thank you for listening today. Keep grinding. Thanks for listening to the Grinded Podcast. If we could pray for you or encourage you in any way, please email us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com or you can text us at 865-418-2824. If you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe and you'll be notified about new episodes. If you're listening on an app, leave us a five-star review, but most importantly, share the Grinded Podcast with a friend. God bless you and remember, keep grinding.